Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive at one of the most difficult jobs on earth. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to learn how your leadership style can transform the culture of your entire school? At your private school, do you want people to follow you because of your influence rather than because of your position? Did you know that there's a leadership style that employees around the world consistently rate as most effective and most preferred leadership style when they rate their boss? People want to be led in a certain way, and the research shows that they are happiest and most productive when they are led in this way. Do you want to lead in a way that not only can create a more positive school culture and more engaged and less stressed out teachers? I know, I know, it sounds too good to be true, but there is a leadership style that can check all of these boxes for you, and that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast. Okay, I want to ask you another question. Who do you think are some of the greatest leaders of all time? So when I ask you that question, what names immediately come to mind? Maybe Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, John F. Kennedy, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, maybe Martin Luther King Jr., Eleanor Roosevelt, Barack Obama, Malala. So that's a pretty good list, but it leaves off so many great leaders in history. And to me, one glaring omission is Nelson Mandela. After 27 years in prison, he became the first black president in the history of South Africa, and he worked tirelessly to topple apartheid. And Nelson Mandela was once asked, well, what makes you a good leader? And Mandela said that he was the son of a tribal chief. And when he was a boy, his father would take him to the tribal council meetings. Mandela watched his father closely at these meetings. And he said that the reason that he's a great leader is because he learned two important things watching his father at the tribal council meetings. He said, number one, they always sat in a circle. And number two, his father was always the last person to speak. Well, Nelson Mandela was a child in the 1920s, nearly 100 years ago. And so what possible relevance could that story have for you as a leader at your private school today? What is this leadership style that I've been talking about? Well, it's the one that Nelson Mandela's father displayed at his tribal council meetings. Today, we are going to talk about servant leadership. Servant leadership has transformed me as a person and as a leader, and it has had a tangible impact on my life in general and also at my school. And I'm very grateful that you've taken the time to listen to today's episode, and I'm also very excited to have the opportunity to talk about servant leadership with you today. And I'd like to say that I've been using servant leadership for the past 30 years But the truth is that I really got intentional about it just 10 years ago, but it has changed my life and it also has helped me to change our school. So where did servant leadership begin? Where did it come from? Some say Moses or Jesus or Abraham Lincoln was the first example. There are literally hundreds of examples of servant leaders throughout history. But Robert K. Greenleaf coined the phrase servant leadership in 1970. But I want to hold up for a second. Let's pump the brakes on this podcast right here. And I want you to think about 1970. 
Well, you might be saying, hold on, I wasn't even alive in 1970, but some of you are listening to this podcast and you might remember 1970, but the majority of you, including me, learned about it in the history books. So I have a really important question for you. How were people being led in 1970? So think about this. Richard Nixon was president and he had served in the Navy. He was preceded by Lyndon Johnson, who served in the Navy, preceded by JFK, a Navy war hero, preceded by Eisenhower and Truman, both famous for their leadership in the U.S. Army. And in 1970, the United States was involved in the Vietnam War, which was at its worst. So why are you getting this little history lesson? Because I asked you how people were being led in 1970, and almost all leadership was based on a military style of top-down, command and control, hierarchy, do-it-because-it's-an-order kind of leadership. And that is what we call positional leadership. You are the leader because you are the boss, because of your title, because of your position. You are the leader because you are the lieutenant, or the captain, or the principal, or the division head, or the head coach, or the boss. And in 1970, people did what they were told at work, and if they didn't like it, they were told, there's the door. But people hated top-down command and control approach. They hated it then, and they hate it way more now because people don't want to be led this way. So this guy, Robert Greenleaf, for 40 years, from 1924 to 1964, was working for the American Telephone and Telegraph Company in Minnesota, AT&T. And after 40 years of showing up to work every single day and working in an authoritarian, top-down, do-it-because-I-said-so organization, during that time, Robert just was convinced that there was a better way to lead people. And so what he did in his spare time for 40 years was that Robert researched education and management and leadership and personal development. And then in 1964, he took an early retirement at age 60, in 1970, Robert Greenleaf published his first essay called Leader as Servant and introduced the term servant leadership. Okay, now you've had a history lesson and you know a little bit about where it came from, but what is servant leadership? Well, simply put, servant leadership is a leadership style where the leader's number one priority is to serve others. The number one priority is not to lead. And that sounds really strange, but... Servant leadership is serve first, lead second. And I know that that sounds weird, but just stick with me. Hang in there. The priority is to not make the business more profitable. The priority is not to make the employees follow the handbook, the employee handbook. The priority is not to get everyone to do what they're supposed to do and do it this way or else there's the door, the servant leader's first priority is to serve others. All right, a quick sidebar here. I said I got really intentional about servant leadership around 10 years ago, and it is not easy. It meant that I had to set aside my ego. It meant that I could not just rely on my authority as the principal or division head. It meant that I had to always put others first, even when I didn't feel like it. Have I done it perfectly? No. But it has transformed me as a leader, and my teams and my school 
are transformed as well. And I can't stress strongly enough how much people desire to be led this way. We are emotional beings and we want to be led with emotional intelligence. We want to be led by someone who actually cares about us as a person. So servant leadership means to serve first and lead second. And to elaborate on that, I'll quote Robert Greenleaf here. He said, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? And Greenleaf also said, I serve because I am the leader and I am the leader because I serve. So I know that that sounds a little abstract, so I want to help you to make it concrete so that you can take action with servant leadership. So I'm about to give you the five most important characteristics of a servant leader. But before we get into that, I need to say the most important sentence in this entire podcast. And it might be the most important sentence that I will say on any podcast episode. Okay, are you ready? Here it is. Servant leadership is a lifestyle, not a technique. Servant leadership is a lifestyle, not a technique. The desire to serve others has to be authentic or your teachers and teams will see through it from a mile away. This is not a tip or a trick or a hack. This is a way of life. And let me help you understand what I mean. When I walk down the hallways at my school, I pick up trash. Most of you probably do the same thing. That's great. But let me explain why it's so important to me. When I walk down the hallway at my school and pick up trash, I do it when no one was in the hallway. I also do it when maybe there are kids or teachers in the hallway, but I especially do it when no one's in the hallway. And I don't do it to be seen. I don't do it really to set an example, but I do it for three reasons. Reason number one is because it reminds me that I'm here to serve these kids and these teachers and these parents and this school, and part of that is taking responsibility for the appearance of the building. So that's pretty straightforward. Reason number two is because it reminds me that I am no better than the custodians just because of my title. Custodians are often the lowest paid employees at our private schools, but they are so important. But sometimes the kids or even the teachers or maybe even us as leaders that we have the attitude, well, that's the janitor's job. They'll pick that up. And reason number three is because it's my daily integrity check. We know that the definition of integrity is how I act when no one's watching. Most days I don't feel like picking up scraps of paper when I walk down the hallway, but this practice is like a daily workout for my integrity muscle. So for me personally, I do it because I want to take responsibility for the appearance of the building. I want to remind myself every day that my title does not make me better than anyone else. And I also do it to make sure that my integrity is intact. So I promise to make this practical. So let's start with the five most important characteristics of a private school leader that is a servant leader and see what does this look like for you. All right, let's do this. The most important characteristics of a servant leader, number one, Humility. Humility. A true servant leader is humble. We have to set ego aside. We have to set aside that we went to school for a really long time and that we have a lot of experience and we have a title 
and we have an office with a door that closes probably, and that we've earned this title. And all of that is true. But as private school leaders, we sometimes struggle with humility. I know I sometimes struggle with it. I struggle with it every day. I earned this title. I deserve your respect. You must listen to me. You have to listen to me because I am the leader. I struggle with staying humble, but I told you that this is one of the reasons that I pick up the trash is to try to remind myself it's an integrity check, but it's also a humility check. I think that in general and in my experience, most private school leaders are pretty humble. They display humility. If we wanted to be rich and famous and perceived by the world as super important and celebrities, we certainly wouldn't have gotten into education in the first place and we wouldn't have gotten into private school leadership. Almost all of us started out as teachers and then we grew into our leadership role. There is a humility that goes along with teaching and prioritizing the needs of students and partnering with parents and I've found that most teachers are pretty humble. But I will tell you this, after being a private school leader for 30 years, it gets harder each year and it gets harder every day to stay authentically humble. And that's what we need from our private school leaders, authentic humility. Remember that I said that servant leadership is not a technique, but it is a way of life? That's what I'm talking about. So number one on our list of characteristics of a servant leader is humility. Okay, number two, servant leaders must display a high level of integrity and display it consistently. So characteristic number two is integrity. So this means telling the truth when we can be evasive. I always tell my teachers, I'll tell you the truth. I'll always tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. Now, this doesn't mean that I tell them everything, but the things that they need to know, they will hear from me and I will tell them the truth. Telling the truth also means that you're open and honest in all of your dealings with teachers and parents and other leaders at your school. And this means giving honest feedback when it would be easier to soft sell the truth. And I struggle with that often. Integrity also means that you are your genuine self in front of your teachers and your teams. And that's hard to do. It means that you admit your mistakes and ask for forgiveness. This is something that I really struggled with for the first 20 years of my career as a private school leader. But I made a commitment to do this 10 years ago, and it has literally changed my life and dramatically changed my relationship with my teachers and students and parents and colleagues and also with my family to just admit when I mess up and ask for forgiveness. To show our integrity, we need to treat others with dignity and respect. We need to keep our promises. We need to display self-control. Um, even if you have a temper, you may have a temper. It might even be a bad temper, but you can never use that as an excuse for your behavior. You keep things to yourself that are told to you in confidence, and you do the right thing even when it is the hard thing. And that's a definition of displaying integrity. So hold up. Let's hold up for a second. Again, let's pump the brakes on this podcast. We need a big, big sidebar here in capital letters. Let me just stop for a minute and acknowledge that it sounds like what I'm describing is some impossible and unrealistic person. No one can be that humble. No one can display that much integrity. And you're right. No one can do this all the time. 
And being humble all the time and displaying integrity all the time is an impossible standard. But we have to have high standards. We have to have a goal to shoot for. We have to hold ourselves to that high standard if we want to be effective servant leaders. Michael Jordan, one of my favorite athletes of all time, he missed more than half of the shots that he took in his career, but he tried really, really hard every single time to make a shot. And in baseball, you're a superstar if you get a hit three out of every 10 times that you come up to bat. That means the superstars in baseball fail seven out of 10 times. But every time they come up to the plate, they try really, really hard to get a hit. So my point is, is that, yes, this sounds like an unattainable standard, but that doesn't mean that we're going to just give up. We are going to approach every single day like those professional athletes where failure is part of the game. But when they come up to bat, when they go up to the foul line to take a shot, they are trying their absolute best every day. And every day is a new day. And listen, we're going to muck it up and make mistakes. I've made more mistakes in the humility and integrity departments than I can count. But we have to have high expectations for ourselves. That's what leaders do. That's what servant leaders do. All right. So back to the list of characteristics of a servant leader. Number one, humility. Number two, integrity. And number three, a passion for developing others. So what do I mean by a passion for developing others? If you want to be a true servant leader in your private school, you have to value other people and connect with them and build strong relationships. And as these relationships grow, you will learn their needs and how you can meet those needs. You will learn their strengths and celebrate their successes and make sure that they get the credit. You have a really strong desire to see them grow. You see, it's our responsibility as leaders to equip them to grow by doing two things. First, to set a great example as a leader, but you also show your teachers how much you value professional development for yourself. And and then second, we provide them with opportunities to grow and hold them accountable to grow. So first we set an example of the value of professional development and then we give them opportunities to grow and hold them accountable for that growth. Okay, now I want you to really catch this. So just tune in. I've seen this with my own eyes and it is really, really important. If you truly have an authentic desire to see your people grow, they will see it, feel it, they'll know it, they'll believe it, and it will transform your relationship with them. And it will also grow your school or your division because the old saying is a high tide raises all boats. And their growth will positively impact everything. So if your desire for them to grow as a human, as a professional, is authentic, they will feel it and they will want to do it. And it will be a high tide event for your school. And that's why a passion for their growth is an important characteristic of a servant leader. So on with our list. Number one. Characteristics of a servant leader, number one, humility, number two, integrity, number three, a passion for developing others, and number four, a servant leader encourages safe participation. Okay, so that sounds a little bit like jargon, a little bit like something that you might hear in passing at a conference. What does it mean to encourage safe participation? 
Well, everybody talks about collaboration, but servant leaders make sure that their people can participate and feel emotionally safe at the same time. And that's two different things. This happens a few ways. First of all, having an open and participatory leadership style, and you say, okay, I've got that. Um, Maybe you also focus on promoting kindness and trust and honesty and emotional safety. But here's the thing. Let's pause for a second again. Promoting kindness, trust, honesty, and emotional safety, you need to do that as if their lives depended on it. Because here's the thing. The life of your school culture is depending on it. If your teachers feel emotionally safe to participate with their ideas and with all of the things that they have on the inside that they can add value to your school, but they're keeping it in there because they don't speak up or they can't work well with other people. But let me hit you with three things that you can do tangibly to encourage safe participation. First, being approachable. Second, being visible. And third, having a predictable mood. Hold up, hold up. Let me hit you with that one more time and make sure you catch this. You can help your people feel safe to participate at your school when you are approachable, visible, and have a predictable mood. Super hard, but super important. Okay, number one, be approachable. Being approachable means more than just having an open door policy because everybody says that. Approachable means how you act when you are interrupted. I know how sometimes I act when I'm interrupted. Approachable means how pleasant or distracted are you during the interaction. Being approachable either happens or it doesn't. And approachability is incredibly important for a servant leader, but it's also very difficult to test. Because the bottom line is people aren't going to give you that kind of feedback as to whether you're approachable or not. And so the real test, the bottom line is, does your interaction with that teacher make them more likely or less likely to want to interact with you the next time? So this one takes some real honest self-assessment. The other, the second is to be visible. You already know how important it is to be a visible leader. I also know that you really have good intentions. I have good intentions to be more visible. But let me give you a quick tip on how to be more visible without it significantly impacting your day or your schedule. Okay, you ready? Here's the tip. Leverage as many high visibility moments per day as you can and put them in your schedule like appointments. High visibility moments are arrival, class changes, lunch, recess, and dismissal. And if you're a religious school, you can add prayer services, chapel, or mass to that list. Schedule these times into your day like it's an appointment. Not every one of them every day, but at least each of them once a week. And here's an extra bonus tip. When you're interacting with kids and teachers during high visibility times, leave your phone in your pocket. These times are short, but it's important for you to be engaged and enthusiastic and present in all capital letters. I know that a lot of you probably do this anyways, but if you're anything like me, you have good intentions to be more visible and you want to do it more often. And so maybe these um, couple of tips will help. And then third, how can you keep your teachers feeling emotionally safe is to have a predictable mood. I think that most private school leaders grossly underestimate how important it is to have a predictable mood. 
Maybe this is a strength of yours, but maybe it's not. But your teachers should never have to play the least fun game show in the history of game shows, and that's called Guess My Mood. Please don't make your teachers play that game show. Guess My Mood is the worst. Even though every day is different at your school, you need to be the same as much as possible. Maybe you're not a high-energy, positive, and outgoing personality. That's okay. Maybe you're more quiet and kind and, and sensitive. Your mood will fluctuate during the day because you're a human being, but we need to try to make sure that these fluctuations stay on the inside and that our forward-facing mood is predictable. So if you want to have your teachers feel emotionally safe at work, be approachable, be visible, and have a predictable mood. All right, one, just one more to go on our list of five characteristics of a servant leader in a private school. Number one, humility. Number two, integrity. Number three, a passion for developing others. Number four, encourages safe participation. And number five, inspires the team. I love sports movies. Maybe you don't. That's cool. I love the training montage. I love the underdog that overcomes incredible odds to win the game. But the thing that I love the most in sports movies is the inspirational pregame speech from the coach. The team listens intently, the coach says all the right things, and the team gets fired up and runs out of the locker room and they win the game. My all-time favorite is from the movie Miracle, when the U.S. men's hockey team was about to face the previously unbeaten Russian team in the 1980 Winter Olympics. And Coach Herb Brooks spoke for less than two minutes, but he transferred his belief in his team from his heart into their hearts, and they went out and they did the impossible and they beat the Russians. So there are three big problems with trying to inspire our teachers and teams like they do in the sports movies. First of all, it's the movies. And even though some of them are based on a true story, they get the Hollywood treatment. And second, while inspirational pep talks do have a time and a place in our schools, I always severely overestimate their effectiveness and their staying power. And third, you may not be a rah-rah cheerleader slash coach kind of leader anyways. So if we know that it's not inspirational speeches, then how do we inspire our team to be successful? So I want to hit you with a quote from Stephen Covey, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And he says, power is created when individuals perceive that their leaders are honorable. So they trust them, are inspired by them, deeply believe in the goals communicated by them, and desire to be led. So that was a lot. So let me just paraphrase that quickly. Stephen Covey says that when individuals, when your teachers perceive that the leader is honorable, they trust them, are inspired by them, and desire to be led by them. So you will inspire your team by being yourself while being a servant leader. And that sounds super weird, but if you are a servant leader, then you will be treating your people the way that they want to be treated. So they will trust you, they will be inspired by you, and they will want to be led by you. So again, if you are a servant leader treating people the way they want to be treated, they will trust you, they'll be inspired by you, and they will want to be led by you. The power of influence is a hundred times stronger than the power of position. Influence means that they are doing something because they want to, and position means that they're doing it because they have to. So just stop for a minute and think about how this could change your team, 
change your culture, change your school. I will tell you from my own experience that it is revolutionary in all capital letters, and that is not hyperbole. Adopting the lifestyle and characteristics of a servant leader will change your life and it will transform your team and your school. And I've seen that the people that benefit the most from this are the kids. I've seen teacher turnover numbers plummet and student retention numbers skyrocket. I've seen parent satisfaction survey numbers in the 90th percentile and teacher morale improve all because of servant leadership intentionally being modeled authentically and consistently. But most important of all, I've got more teachers that are happier and motivated. And we know that happier and motivated teachers often leads to happier, more motivated, more engaged kids. And that's the bottom line is that servant leadership is hard to do. It takes intentional practice to do, but the kids are the ones who benefit. Your teachers are the ones who benefit. And my wish for you as a leader is that you will see this happen at your school and that you will see the value in the servant leadership lifestyle and that you will grow yourself and hold yourself to a high standard and that you'll see this transformation take place in front of your eyes at your school and you'll stand there with a huge smile on your face. That is my wish for you. So hopefully you're thinking right now, well, I'm all in. I want to be a better servant leader. I want to see my team blossom and transform in the ways that you've described today. But your big question is, well, where do I go from here? Well, I've taught you what servant leadership is and the characteristics of an effective servant leader. And you can check out the show notes for some resources to get you started by going to privateschoolleader.com slash episode five. But... I've got great news for you. This was just part one of learning about servant leadership on the Private School Leader podcast. Because on the next episode, we're going to talk about what servant leadership actually looks like in your everyday life at school and talk about the top 10 things that servant leaders do. So we've covered some theory and some characteristics in this episode. In the next episode, you will learn how to put all of this into practice with super practical ways to apply this for yourself and with your team at school. So be sure to subscribe to the Private School Leader Podcast so that you don't miss the next episode. And if you head over to the privateschoolleader.com, there'll be some tools there for you as well regarding servant leadership. Okay, big takeaways from today's episode. Servant leadership is a lifestyle and not a leadership hack. Number two, people don't want to work at a top-down command and control. Do it because I said so. Organization, because people want to feel emotionally safe at work. Number three, a, lead, a servant leader serves first and leads second. And then we talked about the five characteristics of an effective servant leader. First, a true servant leader is humble. Second, displays integrity at all times. Third, a servant leader is passionate about helping others grow. Fourth, to be an effective servant leader, you encourage participation that makes people feel safe. And you can do this through being approachable, visible, and having a predictable mood. And fifth, you inspire others through influence rather than position. So let's wrap this up. I hope that you got value from today's episode. The Private School Leader Podcast exists to help you thrive and not just survive 
at one of the most difficult jobs in the world. From one private school leader to another, I know that you have very specific issues that face you at your school. And my goal is to take my 30 years of experience and tell you the things that I wish I had known earlier in my career. I want to help you get from where you are today and how you are feeling about yourself as a leader today and help you feel less exhausted and feel more inspired and feel like you're rocking it every single day. That's, that's what I want to do with this podcast. So you can find the show notes for today's episode by going to theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode five. Remember, part two of this episode will give you more practical help. And be sure to subscribe to the Private School Leader podcast so that you never miss an episode. A new episode of the Private School Leader podcast comes out every week. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by looking for at the Private School Leader. And if you got value from this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with one other leader or an aspiring leader at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I just want to say that I appreciate you and the good work that you're doing at your school. Thank you so much for taking some of your precious time to join me here today. And I'll see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.